Discover BetMGM, the betting app sports fans in the Capital Region turn to for nonstop action all winter long. Take the excitement of football, basketball, and hockey to the next level with same-game parlays, exclusive signature bets, odds boost promos, and much more. Plus, now you can sign in, place bets, and manage your cash balance under the same BetMGM account in D.C., Maryland, and Virginia. With the same username and password throughout the DMV, it's never been easier to play with the king of sportsbooks. Download the BetMGM app today. BetMGM is an authorized gaming partner of the NBA and an official sports betting partner of the NHL. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly and offer resources to help you make appropriate choices. Please gamble responsibly. BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Washington, D.C. only. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Whether it's your first time betting or you've been gambling for years, have a plan and know the game. Be aware of the rules and odds before you gamble. Set a budget and never gamble with money you can't afford to lose. Take a break and consider teaming up with trusted friends to help you stick to your budget. Remember, if you or a loved one has a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org for free confidential services. Martha Stewart, the original influencer. When I think about anything, I think about the way that she did it first. The media mogul. The six years ahead, she saw what was coming. The prisoner, the rise, the fall, and the reinvention of an American icon. Once Martha paved the road, everybody else pretty much copied her. A CNN original series, The Many Lives of Martha Stewart, now streaming on Max. Countdown with Keith Olbermann is a production of iHeartRadio. President Biden needs to federalize the Tennessee National Guard in order to help reestablish democracy in that state. Yesterday, in one of the worst episodes of sanctioned government bigotry and racism in recent history, the Republican supermajority in the Tennessee State Assembly voted to expel two African-American lawmakers who had joined a public protest pleading for stricter gun laws after the shooting at the Covenant Christian School. The protest briefly interrupted a debate and the Republicans, the white Republicans, literally reacted to the protest in which the most dangerous weapon wielded was a megaphone by comparing it to the January 6th insurrection at the United States Capitol. Yesterday, on a motion from a white Republican named Andrew Farmer, Representative Justin Pearson of Memphis was expelled from the Tennessee Assembly. So was Justin Jones, representative of Nashville. Not reprimanded, not censured, expelled. A third member of the House involved with the protest, Gloria Johnson of Knoxville, survived the move to expel her by just one vote. She is not African-American. Democracy is on the verge of collapse in Tennessee. Republicans have gerrymandered the state to give rural white areas absolute control over the racially diverse cities of Tennessee. The Republicans will brook no gun reform, no gun debate, no gun discussion, and certainly no gun protests, even as terrified school children in their own state beg them to. 
During Reconstruction, the federal government sent troops into most of the South to try to reestablish representative government and integrated government for the first time. In 1957, when Governor Orville Faubus brought the Arkansas National Guard to Little Rock High School to prevent its integration, President Dwight Eisenhower nationalized that Arkansas National Guard and had its members instead protect the nine African-American students. Six years later, the same scenario played out in Alabama, where Governor George Wallace tried to block the integration of the university there. President John F. Kennedy federalized the Alabama Guard under the Insurrection Act of 1807. It is time for President Biden to take the same steps to reestablish democracy in Tennessee because the racial parallels to Little Rock and Tuscaloosa are simply differently constructed. Representatives Jones and Pearson were not expelled because they attacked gun rights or because they protested, nor because they interrupted debate with a megaphone. They were expelled because they did all that while being black. If you don't believe me, listen not just to what the expulsion bill's sponsor, this cracker lawyer NRA member Andrew Farmer, said to Representative Pearson, but how he said it. The only things he left out were, what we have here is failure to communicate, and quote, boy, unquote. Here in this Tennessee General Assembly, that's why you're standing there, because of that temper tantrum that day, for that yearning to have attention. That's what you wanted, but you're getting it now. So I just advise you, if you want to conduct business in this house, file a bill. Be recognized, stand there and present it, and pass it. All you got to do is pass the bill. Representative Pierce. Now, you all heard that. How many of you would want to be spoken to that way? How many of you want to be spoken to that way? We're not talking about politics. We're not talking about even gun violence. How many of you would want to be spoken to that way? The reason that I believe the sponsor of this legislation, of this resolution, spoke that way is because he's comfortable doing it because there's a decorum that allows it. There's a decorum that allows you to belittle people. We didn't belittle nobody. Another white Republican, Representative Gino Bolso, while questioning Representative Jones, said that failing to expel the members would, quote, simply invite him and his colleagues to continue to engage in mutiny on the House floor. Mutiny. I am surprised that Representative Bolso left out the word uppity. After the expulsions, Representative Pearson explained what this was really about. In order that the International Rifle Association and all of these gun lobbyists continue to be able to have control over our legislation. What's going through my mind right now is we need to fight for democracy in the state of Tennessee, and we need people not only just to vote, but people to show up and speak out so that we can end the gun violence epidemic that's happening in our state. This is wrong, this is unjust, and this But the Republican Party of the state of Tennessee want to keep things the same. If you want 
coming back? Yes, it is almost certain when selecting temporary replacements for the expelled members, their home county boards will choose Justin Jones and Justin Pearson. Then there will be special elections, and the men cannot be expelled twice for the same actions. But the issue is larger than these two representatives in Tennessee. In Tennessee, in Nebraska, in Missouri, in Idaho, in Kansas, throughout this country, democracy is not just failing at the local level. It is being killed by Republicans. And in every case, as in Tennessee, there is an undertone, often an overtone, of racism and misogyny. And in every case, there is the growing menace of fascist ownership of the local and state governments in the areas in which they are predominant. They are not just winning elections and instituting policies as Republicans and Democrats alike have done since the 1850s. These Republicans are trying to put Democrats and democracy out of business. President Biden federalized the National Guard in Tennessee and have it and not the Tennessee state troopers protecting the Tennessee General Assembly and those who wish to protest or to serve there. The fascists are getting uppity. What we have is failure to communicate. Or as this fascist farmer said to Justin Pearson, the Republicans are having temper tantrums and they're yearning to have attention. That's what they wanted well, they're getting it now. Federalize the Tennessee Guard, President Biden. The trouble there is not ending here. And we know who is making the trouble. The Andrew Farmers and the Gino Balsos of this modern, elected, streamlined clan. And you, Mr. President, and possibly you alone, have the power to stop it. It was a very busy and very disturbing day on many fronts and not just in Tennessee. The Senate Judiciary Committee must immediately begin an investigation and televised hearings into the newly exposed evidence of repetitive, endless, institutionalized corruption by Justice Clarence Thomas of the United States Supreme Court with an eye to forcing his resignation or his arrest or both. House Democrats though only one Supreme Court justice has ever been impeached, though they would certainly lose the vote, must immediately introduce articles of impeachment against Justice Thomas. The Attorney General of the United States, Merrick Garland, must immediately begin a criminal investigation into the dozens, more likely hundreds of times, that Justice Thomas has violated federal laws prohibiting the acceptance of bribes and expensive gifts and the Attorney General must launch similar investigations into the possible bribery of Justice Kavanaugh, Justice Alito, Justice Gorsuch, Justice Coney Barrett, and Chief Justice John Roberts. Chief Justice John Roberts must immediately resign. During his virtually absentee tenure, the court has descended below the surface of a vast cesspool of corruption and political extremism, and it is now unrecognizable, even when contrasted to the merely biased and manipulated court of just 20 years ago. Thomas, if you have somehow missed the report by the investigative independent journalist ProPublica, is not just the political prostitute we all knew him to be. 
For two decades now, he has been accepting gifts, some worth twice his annual income, including exotic vacations for himself and his wife, from one Republican. The organizations he runs frequently submit petitions and briefs to the Supreme Court. He is also a Republican mega-donor. During these trips and on countless other occasions, Clarence Thomas has made himself available to Republican financial powers, corporate lobbyists, and other malefactors of mankind. And while in 2020 his wife was trying to overthrow the government of the United States on behalf of the Republican Party, Clarence Thomas himself voted with the majority in a 2016 Supreme Court case called McDonnell v. United States, in which he and the court ended federal bribery statutes that made it a crime for a public official to, quote, receive or accept anything of value in exchange for being influenced in the performance of any official act. Thomas not only did not recuse himself from this case, Thomas used the power of the court to shield a Republican governor of Virginia so venal that he once accepted $50,000 from a businessman and immediately, within minutes, texted one of his aides to arrange the meetings that that businessman wanted with state officials. Clarence Thomas then voted, and he voted to make the exact kind of bribes that he has ritually and voraciously and greedily devoured legal. Clarence Thomas is a whore, and particularly in combination with his insurrectionist, conspiracy theory peddling, ex-cult member wife, he is a clear and present danger to the United States of America and the continuation of its form of government and to the freedom of its citizens. And Clarence Thomas has got to go. And if Senate Judiciary Chairman Dick Durbin is not up to this urgent and vital task, he needs to turn his committee over to Senator Sheldon Whitehouse or literally anybody willing to stand for the American public and not merely to self-protect the amoral bureaucracy of the federal government. Sadly, the early returns suggest Durbin is not even close to being up to this. His reaction is barely a notch above Susan Collins' levels of, quote, concern. Today's report, Durbin writes, demonstrates yet again that Supreme Court justices must be held to an enforceable code of conduct, just like every other federal judge. The ProPublica report is a call to action, and the Senate Judiciary Committee will act. End quote. How will it act, Senator Durbin? When? How many more times will Clarence Thomas loot this country? How much more will he steal how many more of his Supreme Court votes will he sell before he and his seditious wife are investigated and removed and punished and the vermin who bribed them prosecuted and imprisoned as well? Clarence Thomas, a living, breathing for sale sign, has been prostituting himself and the Supreme Court and this country since 1991. When will his reign of justice denied is available for the right price, be ended permanently. Senator Whitehouse, who chairs the subcommittee on the federal courts, at least puts some anger into his words. This cries out for the kind of independent investigation that the Supreme Court and only the Supreme Court across the entire government refuses to perform. And the best bet for Democrats to do something, anything, is in the Senate. If a Democratic strategist named Max Burns is to be believed, quote, one Democratic House member tells me via text, 
Public trust in the Supreme Court is already bad. A big circus would destroy it completely, unquote. Yes, exactly. That's where we are. The Supreme Court is now a theocratic entity enslaving the majority of Americans to its own religious beliefs, except when religious beliefs aren't involved and the justices like this whore Clarence Thomas have been bought and paid for. Better that public trust in this form of the Supreme Court of the United States be destroyed completely than for this Supreme Court to be run by this utterly corrupt Clarence Thomas and his psychotic wife. The serial bribing of Clarence Thomas documented by ProPublica reads like something out of the 19th century and the professionally corrupt New York City politician Boss Tweed. A 2019 vacation on a $37 million private jet and a private yacht worth at least half a million dollars. The vacation, not the yacht. The jet and the yacht are owned by Harlan Crow of Dallas, Texas. Other trips on the yacht, one a day cruise in Georgia, one something larger around 2013 in New Zealand, another trip to the Greek islands, another destination unknown, date known because the host had customized polo shirts made for the guests with the name of the yacht and the year 2007 emblazoned on them, and Clarence Thomas has been brazen enough to be photographed wearing that shirt, shirts provided by Harlan Crow of Dallas, Texas. A 2011 donation to a Tea Party group, also half a million dollars. The group was founded by Ginny Thomas, the group's top employee, who was paid a salary of $120,000, was Ginny Thomas. The donation came from Harlan Crow of Dallas, Texas. Annual access to a private resort in the Adirondack Mountains called Top Ridge, where hangs a painting showing Clarence Thomas smoking a cigar with four other men. One is the notorious Republican money man and Federalist Society fascist organizer, Leonard Leo. One is Harlan Crow of Dallas, Texas. Rooms at another resort nearby, nowhere near as nice, start at $2,250 a night. You cannot buy your way, though, into the Top Ridge Resort where this picture hangs. It is private. It is owned by Harlan Crow of Dallas, Texas. The late 1990s gift of a Bible, once owned by Frederick Douglass, worth at least $19,000. The gift came from Harlan Crow of Dallas, Texas. Another portrait of Clarence Thomas and Ginny Thomas, value unknown. The painting was commissioned by Harlan Crow of Dallas, Texas. A recent donation to Yale Law School in the amount of $105,000 for the Justice Thomas Portrait Fund, the generous gift of Harlan Crow of Dallas, Texas. A trip from Washington to Texas on a private jet to a private home so Clarence Thomas could swear in a Fifth Circuit judge with the utterly appropriate name for purposes of the startling ProPublica story of James Ho. The jet, which the rental of an equivalent private jet would cost about $70,000 for this trip, and the number of Thomas trips on the jet are at least in double figures. The jet and the home are owned by Harlan Crow of Dallas, Texas. An October 2021 trip on that jet to Mawa, New Jersey, so Thomas could speak at the dedication of an 1,800-pound statue of his eighth-grade teacher, a nun called Sister Virgilius, a speech Thomas ended by thanking the people who paid for that statue, Mr. and Mrs. Harlan Crow of Dallas, Texas. 
a 2021 documentary about Clarence Thomas called Born Equal, in which, with a straight face, Clarence Thomas says, I prefer the RV parks. I prefer the Walmart parking lots to the beaches and things like that. The documentary was funded by Harlan Crow of Dallas, Texas. And Harlan Crow and Clarence Thomas and Ginny Thomas did not even bother to hide their tracks. ProPublica documented his litany of offenses simply by looking at flight records and from conducting interviews with everybody from staff on a super yacht to a scuba instructor in Indonesia and from documents distributed among the employees of Harlan Crow of Dallas, Texas. Harlan Crow is a 74-year-old real estate developer. He and Clarence Thomas met in 1996. He got the anti-tax group Club for Growth up on its financial feet after a shaky start. He is on the board of the far-right Hoover Institution and the American Enterprise Institution. He has given $10 million to Republican candidates and organizations, those to whom news of his donations has been required. The rest of the donations, untold amounts, we know nothing about. The Harvard Business School Club of Dallas conducted something called the Real Estate Magnate Interview Series. Quick questions, quick answers. Harlan Crow was asked, what scares you the most? Harlan Crow's answer was one word. Marxism. The Supreme Court justice was impeached by the House in 1804 and then acquitted by the Senate. There has never been any Supreme Court justice removed, no matter how corrupt, by legal means. The supposed sanctity of this court, its restoration from the whorehouse that people like Clarence Thomas and Ginny Thomas and Harlan Crow have made it into, can be accomplished only, grimly, by waiting for people like Thomas to resign or die. According to federal law, U.S. Code 5 CFR Part 2635 Subpart B, Government employees may accept gifts of almost any kind and are not required to report them, nor are they subject to investigation for conflicts of interest or bribery because of them, provided those gifts are worth no more than $415. The $415 threshold would have been passed, literally, within five seconds of the first moment that this scumbag Clarence Thomas first stepped onto Harlan Crow's $37 million jet in Dallas, Texas. And separate from both of those stories, Supreme Court see separate sheet for bribery rate card, there is also news today about the defendant knowing that he would get his ass kicked if he actually did more than just threaten to subpoena the Manhattan District Attorney Alvin Bragg, the wonderfully incompetent Congressman Jim Jordan has instead subpoenaed former Manhattan Assistant District Attorney Mark Pomerantz. Pomerantz resigned over Bragg's hesitation to pursue the original case against the defendant left to him by his predecessor. The DA's office has already forbidden Pomerantz to testify, and rightly so, Jim Jordan now threatens contempt of Congress charges, which the Department of Justice will not act upon, of course, and which is kind of undercut by the fact that Jim Jordan ignored a subpoena from the House January 6th committee. D.A. Bragg also hinted again that Jordan is coming very close to obstructing a criminal investigation. Frankly, 
Pomerantz should testify. Bragg himself should testify. If Jim Jordan wants to hold an unofficial version of the defendant's Stormy Daniels election interference and tax evasion trial inside his congressional hearing room, go for it. It'd be like arresting the defendant every day for week after week after week. And one more thing from the arrest of the defendant, and how in the hell has this not become a headline? Alvin Bragg has a tape of the defendant. All right, I want to be absolutely clear here. Trump. Alvin Bragg has a tape of Trump and Lawyer A. Lawyer A is Michael Cohen, and they are discussing how to pay off woman one. That's Karen McDougal. Lordy, lordy, there's a tape. Bragg writes about it in his statement of facts, item 14, which apparently every reporter in this country failed to read. I'll use the names, not the identity hiders. Quote, in a conversation captured in an audio recording in approximately September 2016 concerning McDougal's account, the defendant and Cohen discussed how to obtain the rights to McDougal's account from AMI, AMI, that's the National Enquirer Publishing Company, and how to reimburse AMI for its payment. Cohen told the defendant he would open up a company for the transfer of McDougal's account and other information and stated that he had spoken to the chief financial officer for the Trump organization about, quote, how to set the whole thing up. The defendant asked, quote, so what do we got to pay for this, 150 and suggested paying by cash. When Cohen disagreed, the defendant then mentioned payment by check. There is no other reference to recordings in Bragg's filing. There is no guarantee that a judge would let a surreptitiously recorded conversation into the record at trial. But one thing is, I think, certain. If there is one conversation involving the defendant on tape, there are more than one conversation on tape. And they probably all sound just as eloquent as the defendant saying, so what do we got to pay for this? 150, which reads like a line from The Sopranos. I mean, geez, defendant, paying 150? 150 wouldn't even buy you an hour of Clarence Thomas's time. And CBS News is confirming what had been reported earlier in the week that former and current U.S. Secret Service officials will, after all, testify today to special counsel Jack Smith's grand jury in relation to the classified documents Trump stole and stashed at Mar-a-Lago. There were conflicting reports, whether it would be now or later. And according to CBS, it'll be now. Still ahead on this edition of Countdown, absolutely incomprehensible. The Biden administration cuts a deal with the theocrats. Some trans athletes can be banned from scholastic sports because appeasing terrorists always works. Right, Joe? I mean, this is almost at the level of maybe we need a new candidate next year kind of offensive, Mr. President. Sports. First baseball boasted this is the one sport where there is no clock. Then they instituted a clock, a pitch clock. Now the inevitable. A week after the first use of the pitch clock, the pitch clock is now available to be sponsored. Report from the City of Merchandise coming up. It's an all-new Things I Promised Not to Tell. Actually, in one way, that's not true. Most of what I'll be reading I wrote in March. March 1979... 
It's about the day I met the man who would become my first boss in radio, and I met the man who would become the chairman of Disney. I had to write a school paper on an interesting character I had just met, and I choose, yes, the guy who did not become the chairman of Disney. And in worse persons, Travis Tritt. He's going to show them trans-friendly Bud Light people. He will not let Bud Light give him any more free Bud Light. My God, what a sacrifice. It's like he jumped on a grenade. That's next. This is an all-new edition of Countdown. Hey guys, this is Matt Jones, Drew Franklin from the Fade This Podcast. We got a great episode coming up, picks in all the sports, football, basketball, we do them all, but here's a preview of this week's episode. Nothing to do with anyone personally, but Creighton is the team every year that the nerds, you know, the basketball nerds, they're like, you know, who's ready to get to Creighton, you don't watch Creighton. And I'm like, I don't want to watch Creighton because I agree with Shannon, the dude today. Creighton's never going to win anything. Stop talking to me about Creighton. They're not never the, not gonna, the not the Big East tournament. They're, well, I mean, they could maybe they win the Big East tournament, but it'll only be luck. But like, they're always like, you know, a sleeper team. That, like that guy who I told you had eight title teams. One of his title teams was Creighton. Is not winning the national championship. It's yeah, I don't not, have him doing that. That like that's why do we all have to act like Creighton is a, is a is a good team. Creighton's like the band they all say you should know if you really knew bands. <laughs> and then they're never at any of those. Yeah, exactly. And it comes time for the Grammys and they lose out to, like, you know, Lil Dirk. And you're like, see, I knew Lil Dirk was better. Why are you, t- why are you telling me? the whole time. <laughs> and this episode was brought to you in partnership with DraftKings. To hear more, listen and subscribe to Fade This on iHeartRadio or wherever you listen to podcasts. What up, everyone? It's Lunchbox from the Bobby Bone Show, and I'm here to tell you the national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car, like a legendary Camry built for performance and available with all-wheel drive. You can count on your new Camry to get you anywhere you need to go. And with available features like heated seats and a multimedia touchscreen, you can stay connected in comfort and style. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip and agile sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a dependable Corolla built just for you. Plus, both Camrys and Corollas are available in hybrid models, so no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and affordably. So visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on Camrys, Corollas, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. Your tax refund belongs to you, not an identity thief. Over $6 billion in tax refunds were flagged by the IRS for possible identity theft in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. LifeLock monitors and alerts you to identity threats you may miss on your own, even if you're careful with your personal information. And if you do become the victim of tax-related identity fraud, LifeLock has U.S.-based restoration specialists ready to help solve your identity theft issues. Plus, all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package, meaning LifeLock will reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Let LifeLock help you protect your financial information, so all you have to worry about is what to do with your tax refund. Go to LifeLock.com news and save up to 25% your first year. That's 25% off at LifeLock.com news. Identity theft protection starts here. This is Countdown with Keith Olbermann. 
Postscripts to the news, some updates, some insights, some snarks, some predictions. Dateline Washington, Mr. President, you are not serious. The Biden administration has proposed new regulations to allow colleges and high schools to bar some transgender athletes from some scholastic sports based on, quote, fairness, unquote. Translated from bureaucratic ease, blanket bans on the athletes that have been instituted in 20 different states around the country would be eliminated. But if they could justify it on, quote, educational grounds, the schools could ban a given trans athlete from a given sport. The example the Washington Post offered was keeping a trans athlete off a competitive high school track and field team would be okay. Keeping a trans athlete off the intramural middle school kickball team would not be okay. The various AstroTurf organizations trying to eliminate trans athletes, and for that matter, trans people, immediately rejected the compromise because you don't try to appease terrorists or fascists, or especially fascist terrorists, Mr. President. Speaking of which, Dateline TV land, Sean Spicer, the first Trump press secretary and most recently host of the Newsmax show Spicer and Company, is out of work leaving Newsmax after contract negotiations reportedly fell apart. He said, quote, it's time for me to move on to a new challenge, a new adventure, and a new opportunity to serve the American people. Just guessing here, but I believe Sean Spicer will now go across the country, door to door, and lie to people one at a time rather than all at once. This is SportsCenter. Wait, check that. Not anymore. This is Countdown with Keith Olbermann. In sports, bizarre start at the Masters. On the first hole of the world's most overrated sporting event, John Rahm registered a four-putt double bogey. He starts round two as the co-leader, 765, the lowest score in Masters history by anybody who started with a double bogey. Brooks Kepka and Victor Hovland are also at seven under. Baseball, I swear, 57 seasons now. I have been following this sport every day, winter, spring, summer, and fall, and I did not see this coming. The new pitch clock, which keeps the action moving, has been in use for literally eight days. It's not the first time baseball tried to introduce a pitch clock. They had one in 1968, but this is the first time it stuck, and admittedly, it has helped. So sure enough, a sports business publication is reporting that Major League Baseball is now offering sponsorship deals for the pitch clock. Quote, MLB is open for business, unquote. It is supposedly calling Timex, Omega, Rolex, and offering to call the pitch clock the pitch timer. See, all right, Rolex would be nice, but I'm thinking the real choice for the sponsor of this clock is Bang's Funeral Home, West Green Street, Ithaca, New York. When your time is up, go out in a Bang's. I know I've used that joke before. It's still so good. Still ahead on an awfully chunky edition of Countdown. March 22nd, 1979, 
was quite a day for yours truly, and I know this because I wrote a paper for college documenting it, and I still have the paper. I found it the other day. The star of the paper is a man who to this day is the play-by-play announcer of the New York Rangers and was my first boss. You will never believe who I overlooked writing this paper. First, time for the daily roundup of the miscreants, morons, and Dunning-Kruger effect specimens who constitute today's worst persons in the world. I got a tie for the bronze. Fittingly, it's between two of the dumbest people in human history. First, Glenn Beck. Ah, good old Lonesome Rhodes is back. With Trump's arrest, he says, Democrats are now mimicking exactly what Vladimir Putin did to his political enemy. (laughs) No. Putin first had his political enemy, Alexei Navalny, attacked on the street with chemicals intended to blind him. Then when that didn't work, uh, they attacked him with different chemicals on the street with the intention of blinding him. Then they poisoned him with nerve gas. Then after Navalny left the country, Putin lured her back from Germany and then jailed him. Beck is tied for uh, the third place honors here with Charlie Kirk, the balloon-headed guy. It's worth to have a cost of, unfortunately, some gun deaths every single year so that we can have the Second Amendment to protect all our other rights, Kirk says, as if anybody has ever used a gun against the government to protect his other rights in this country when the government has all the tanks and bombs and stuff. Ah, but Kirk made this worse. He then suggested trying to reduce gun deaths. How did we stop shootings at baseball games? Because we had armed guards, which isn't the case. There haven't been shootings at baseball games, and you can't bring a gun into a baseball game because everybody has to go through a magnetometer. Would you think those things were, Charlie, just taking pictures of your underwear? Just not bright guys. The runners-up, President Chris Licht, Paste Boy, and his sort of star Don Lemon, Uh, This is the Licht-Lemon combination. As CNN continues to implode, Vanity Fair magazine has sliced up what passes for Licht's on-air star, anchor Don Lemon. Licht destabilized Lemon by moving him from a good nighttime show, which he solo anchored, to a morning disaster with three anchors. Lemon, somebody they hired from the Daily Caller, and a journeyman anchor named Hoppy Partlow, or I don't know, something. Vanity Fair has an awful lot of awful things to say about Don Lemon in this article, but this is the worst. During a 2008 rivalry with then-co-anchor Kira Phillips, Lemon was reportedly upset that she was sent to Iraq and he wasn't. Phillips was out to dinner with two staffers from their show when she received the first of two text messages from an unknown phone number. This is 2008. Who sent text messages in 2008? Especially who sent text messages that read... Now you've crossed the line and you're going to pay for it. Vanity Fair claims CNN investigated and proved that the texts were traced back to Don Lemon. He denies that. But the winner, Travis Tritt, who is apparently a country singer who wears really tight pastel-colored pants. I have no other information. He blocked me on Twitter after I mocked him. The lunatic right is expressing rage on a level rare even in its world of umbrage and paranoia because Bud Light used a trans person in an ad campaign or on a can or a bottle or something. It's exhausting. I can't keep track anymore. So the far-right lunatics are trying to outdo each other in aggressively boycotting Bud Light. Q 
Kid Rock, who was apparently a non-country singer who had a hit in 1989 or something, used a machine gun to shoot up a six-pack of Bud Light to the applause of hundreds or something. I don't know what was going on there. Maybe it was his new song. So this trit had to do something even more dramatic. Quote, other artists who are deleting Anheuser-Busch products from their hospitality rider might not say so in public for fear of being ridiculed and canceled. I have no such fear, unquote. Let me translate this for you. When he writes deleting Anheuser-Busch products from their hospitality rider, what he means is Travis Tritt will no longer let the venues at which he performs give him any cans of Bud Light for free. Wow, what a sacrifice. Holy cow, Travis Tritt. It's like you're donating a kidney to a stranger. No, no, wait, it's more than that. It's like you're going to the guillotine in somebody else's place. Travis, it is a far, far better free beer I give up than I have ever given up before, Tritt. Today's worst person in the world! The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV, like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain, from the road to the trails. And with plenty of passenger and cargo space, plus available tech like wireless charging, you and your entire crew can stay connected. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander with three spacious rows of seating for up to eight passengers. And with available features like the panoramic moon roof, you can sit back and enjoy the wide-open views with your whole family. Plus, both RAV4s and Highlanders are available in hybrid models. So no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and save on gas. So visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on RAVs, Highlanders, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. Discover BetMGM, the betting app sports fans in the Capital Region turn to for nonstop action all winter long. Take the excitement of football, basketball, and hockey to the next level with same-game parlays, exclusive signature bets, odds boost promos, and much more. Plus, now you can sign in, place bets, and manage your cash balance under the same BetMGM account in D.C., Maryland, and Virginia. With the same username and password throughout the DMV, it's never been easier to play with the king of sportsbooks. Download the BetMGM app today. BetMGM is an authorized gaming partner of the NBA and an official sports betting partner of the NHL. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly and offer resources to help you make appropriate choices. Please gamble responsibly. BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Washington, D.C. only. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Whether it's your first time betting or you've been gambling for years, have a plan and know the game. Be aware of the rules and odds before you gamble. Set a budget and never gamble with money you can't afford to lose. Take a break and consider teaming up with trusted friends to help you stick to your budget. Remember, if you or a loved one has a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7. 
or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org for free confidential services. To the number one story on the countdown and my favorite topic, me and things I promised not to tell. It was James Thurber who once pointed out that the secret to great writing was never throw away anything you have written. He confessed that, I believe, in 1958, that he had managed to rework stuff that he had written in 1918. Well, I can finally top him. I wrote what you're going to hear next on March 27th, 1979. It was a creative writing assignment for my last English class at Cornell, and it was simple. Somebody you have met recently who you found interesting or under interesting circumstances, four to five pages, typed double space. I'll spare you the suspense. It's about Sam Rosen. As you will hear, I had what seemed to be a courtesy interview with Sam Rosen in his office at UPI Audio in New York on Thursday, March 22nd, 1979. I didn't think anything had come of it, but on July 3rd, 1979, UPI Audio hired me, my first job. I was replacing their sports director, a fellow named Maury Trumbull, who was leaving to go be the sports director of NBC Radio. Yes, they used to have such jobs. Maury and I overlapped for about 10 days, so technically he was my first boss, but really Sam was my first boss, and he not only survived it, he's still working. He's been the play-by-play announcer of the New York Rangers since 1984, and he remains a friend. I guess I'm not that tough on my employers after all. Just as interesting, though, is a guy you will hear referred to in passing in the second sentence as an ABC Sports executive. I will explain who that was and is after I read you the original. From the original copy, I might add, which I will start doing in one second from now. Keith Olbermann, English 135.13, March 27, 1979. By the time I cornered Sam Rosen in the back room of United Press International's offices in New York City, March 22nd had already qualified as a very bizarre day. In the preceding 12 hours, I had dragged myself out of bed despite half a night's sleep, conducted a successful job interview with an ABC sports executive who turned out to be a former WTKO Ithaca disc jockey, gotten drunk before noon at a bar run by an ex-Cornell basketball player, sobered myself up in the bowels of New York's subway system, and walked at least three miles on the hard city streets. Sam Rosen is a sportscaster for the United Press Audio Network, a low-grade national organization with which I had some contact and some small hope of employment. The Rosen who introduced himself to a burnt-out, tired me was a burly, slow-moving man, broad in the shoulders, straightforward and confident, and the owner of distractingly bushy sideburns. He had consented to spend a few minutes with me at the request of Roger Norum, a UPI newscaster whom I had met through a contact just four days earlier. Norum had thought Rosen might be able to help me in my efforts to get a job and, at the very least, critique a tape of one of my broadcasts. Page 2. Rosen began slowly and deliberately reviewing his rise to network radio from humble beginnings as a gopher at a New York station. It's a hard business, Keith, he pointed out. You have to be prepared to start at the bottom, even, say, as an intern for a radio or TV station. I noted, rather meekly, 
that I spent the summer of 1978 in just such a capacity at Channel 5 in New York. Rosen seemed surprised and a little miffed at my sliver of experience and seemed to be groping for something else to suggest. Well, it's good to define just where you want your career to go and how it will go. Rosen's confidence disappeared a second later when I recounted my decision at the age of eight to become the country's top sportscaster by starting in radio and then moving into television. He looked at me with mystification and slowly leaned back in his seat to the accompaniment of a groan from rusty hinges and the squeak of the chair's casters against the tile floor. Maybe you should try stringing, he offered and began to explain the radio term for providing reports or newsmakers' comments to a station or network on a freelance basis. He stopped explaining when I noted I had done that for three city stations and two networks, including his own. Page three. Oh! There followed a classic deafening silence. Finally, Rosen seized on something he presumed I couldn't possibly have done already. Small market radio, he blurted, barking the words out as if he were desperately answering some oral test question at the last possible second. Sam looked hopefully at me, but I disappointed him by reviewing my four years at WVBR, the station's ratings and nature, and my thousand or so broadcasts on it. He was now getting upset. It was evident, and Sam later embarrassedly admitted that he was approaching our talk as a Major League Baseball player might a clinic with a dozen Little Leaguers. Well, you just can't expect a job in New York out of college, he was nearly pleading, and then more sternly, you have to be realistic. Well, Sam, I had decided to take the offensive at this point and was speaking softly and unpresumptuously, do you think my four years in Ithaca will be discounted because I was a college student? It's small market radio. And I don't think it can get much better in small market radio. Can we listen to my tape now? Is that okay? Sure, my pleasure. Sam appeared relieved by not having to answer my question, and he quickly threaded the brown tape through one of the studio's many large tape recorders. Page four. He hit the on button and sat back. My voice was soon reverberating in the small room. At first, Rosen simply gazed at the revolving reels and played with his sideburns. At the moments passed, however, the motion stopped and he sat up in his chair. Finally, with the tape over, he moved his lips as if to comment, but couldn't manage more than a nervous laugh. Then suddenly, his tone changed. You know, Keith, this tape... No, maybe I shouldn't point... Well, we just hired a guy to do sports starting next month, and I didn't have anything to do with the hiring or anything, but... Here, Rosen stopped staring past me and looked me instead squarely in the eyes. His tape wasn't half as good as yours. I'm very, again, a brief silence and a staccato delivery. I'm very impressed. It was at once one of the most prideful and disheartening moments of my life. I couldn't help but smile at the thought that perhaps my basic skills were indeed honed enough to the point of excellence. But at the same time, I sensed having been purposely placed in the right place at the wrong time. UPI Audio, as Sam later noted, hadn't had any changes in sports staff since 1974. And here there had been an opening filled just a week before, filled by somebody who sounded only half as good as me. Page 5. The rest of my conversation with Sam Rosen was far more enjoyable and relaxed. 
It had been graphically illustrated to me that patronizing condescension could be turned into genuine respect by my simply flashing a little talent. Sam spent the rest of my time in the studios bathing me in compliments, offering me any assistance he could, and urging me to make a lot of people listen to the tape. Make them listen to it, he suggested, drawing on our just-concluded experience, early in the conversation. The instructor in this class, English, what was it, 135.15? 1, 3 gave me a check mark with a plus on it. Sounds like a great experience. I can't believe that you'll have any difficulty in finding a suitable job. This is well-written. It's clear to the point narrative. Some cleverness as usual, but cuteness firmly under control. Also, perhaps because written fast, none of those awkward spots caused by your fondness for being indirect. Some things have not changed at all since 1979. I wish I could remember the name of the teaching assistant who wrote that. She was very nice, extremely supportive, and obviously clairvoyant. Now, a little reminder that you cannot always, to paraphrase Shakespeare, look into the seeds of time and say which grain will grow and which will not. The ABC sports executive and former WTKO Ithaca, New York disc jockey I met earlier in the day to whom I gave short shrift, to say the least, in sentence two of paragraph one, was a vice president at a broadcast called Wide World of Sports who gave me a brilliant piece of advice that I will save for a later edition of Things I Promised Not to Tell. And his name was Robert Bob Iger, I-G-E-R. By 1989, Iger was the head of entertainment at the ABC television network, in 1994, he became president of Cap City's ABC, which owned ESPN. So he became my ultimate boss in my third year there. The next year, Disney bought ABC, mostly so it could get its hands on ESPN. Iger became president of Disney in 2000, chairman in 2005. He retired in 2021, but he returned to the job at Disney last year. And as I have said to him, every time we have talked since... March 22nd, 1979, when we met. And here I thought you were just some middle manager who still wanted to be a sportscaster when he grew up. I've done all the damage I can do here. Thank you for listening. Here are the credits. Most of the music was arranged, produced, and performed by Brian Ray and John Philip Chanel, who are the Countdown Musical Directors. All orchestration and keyboards by John Philip Chanel. Guitars, bass, and drums by Brian Ray, produced by TKO Brothers. Other Beethoven selections have been arranged and performed by the group No Horns Allowed. The sports music is the Olbermann theme from ESPN2, and it was written by Mitch Warren Davis, courtesy of ESPN Inc. Musical comments by Nancy Faust, the best baseball stadium organist ever. Our announcer today was Kenny Main. Everything else is pretty much my fault. So that's countdown for this, the 822nd day since the defendants first attempted coup against the democratically elected government of the United States. Don't forget, keep arresting him while we still can. The next scheduled countdown is Monday. Until then, I'm Keith Olbermann. Good morning, good afternoon, good night, and good luck. Countdown with Keith Olbermann is a production of iHeartRadio.
For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Whether it's your first time betting or you've been gambling for years, have a plan and know the game. Be aware of the rules and odds before you gamble. Set a budget and never gamble with money you can't afford to lose. Take a break and consider teaming up with trusted friends to help you stick to your budget. Remember, if you or a loved one has a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to HelpMyGamblingProblem.org for free confidential services. CNN Underscore's Guide to Sleep has tons of recommendations for products that can help you get the best night's sleep ever. All right, let's face it. Most of us have had trouble falling or staying asleep at some point. And there are a lot of products and hacks claiming to be the solution to our sleepless nights. That's why the CNN Underscored team spend hundreds of hours testing products to find the ones that can make a huge difference in the quality of your slumber. Visit Underscored.com now for our ultimate guide to getting better sleep. Hey, this is John Ridley. And this is Matt Carey, documentary editor at Deadline. And welcome to Talk Talk. John, we've got a hard-hitting episode today. A lot of controversy well, maybe we should put the word controversy in quotes in the documentary field about the nominees for Best Documentary Feature. We're going to get into that with some amazing panelists. You get a shot, but the individuals behind every one of those images, they're complicated and they are human. This has been Doc Talk. Thank you. Great Thank conversation. You. 